This is going to come as a great, great shock to everyone here. There is a pair of phrases in the English language that annoy me. As I say, I'm, I know that's a big surprise to everyone here. Um, the first one is to fall in love. That annoys me because it's grammatically incorrect. To fall into something suggests that you're already there, right? If I fall in the bathtub, I'm in the bathtub and I fall. Now, if I wanted to describe a situation in which I ended up in the bathtub and I was not in there originally, I would fall into the bathtub. So we should say I fell into love um, and not fall in love. Um, But I doubt they're going to go and retroactively change all the music that's been composed uh, since the beginning of time. Uh, the, the one that is like it, which actually annoys me more, though it is grammatically correct, is the phrase fall out of love. Um, it's more annoying to me because I don't understand what it means. To fall typically describes a situation that happens by accident. Now, I can understand at least, though grammatically incorrect, how you can accidentally become attracted to somebody. That happens all the time. I did not intend to be attracted to this person, and here we are, we find ourselves in a situation in which we're attracted to each other, and we fall into love. But, uh, I do not understand a situation in which you are in a bathtub and somehow accidentally fall out of it. That, that, that makes no sense to me. I don't understand how you are in love and you accidentally find yourself not in love. We have a child that does defy this. I won't name the child. My perception of physics is such that we, we have a law that says that things react with an equal and opposite force. We have a child who can sit in a chair. Now, my understanding of physics is that this child is placing a direct downward, if I understand gravity correct, is directly downward situation. So my understanding is that, that the chair has got an equal and opposite force up. And I can look over and this child's on the floor. And I don't know how that happened. And no names. What happened? Fell out of the chair. We're talking about relationship and getting closer to God. And we talked about our our connection being adopted. And we're going to be talking about something that's actually very similar. It's not going to deviate that far, but we're going to talk about um, attraction. And I want to understand... Or, excuse me, attachment. Uh, I want to understand attachment a little bit. I'm not good at sales. I did it briefly in the summer that I graduated. I graduated in 1990. Those who remember 1990 remember it was not a good time for finding jobs. So I did sales. I did it three days at, like, three different places. It did not work out that good. Um, I'm not good at it. 
I am not good at trying to convince people. I spent more time in training than I actually did doing, doing sales. Um, I'm not good at trying to convince people that they need useless things that they don't need, like a pair of scissors that cuts pennies. I don't see why we need that. Um, I'm not good at trying to make people walk into a person's home and make people dissatisfied with a set of knives that they are completely happy with. I, I can't do that. I'm like, you really should not be happy. Uh, I, I, you really should not. Uh, the other one was the vacuum cleaners. You really should be dissatisfied with your vacuum cleaner. You're not going to vacuum it up. I'm going to dump more, all the dirt back out. And I, I'm not good at that. Some people are. Now, I understand that in sales, some, some people want that. Uh, businesses a lot of times want that because they want to make sure that they have the best products and, and, and so they're constantly getting people to compete for their thing. I was not in that level of sales. Um, but, um, but I did take away, in my, in, in my training, I did take away some brief things that were valuable and, and I've, I've thought of them. And that is that to get a client, if, if, a, if, a, if a merchant wants a client, there, there are some bonds that attach a customer to whatever service provider he has. There are some bonds. And, and if I want to take that client, <coughs> I have got to establish more bonds or, or stronger bonds. I've got to take whatever bonds that he has, and I've got to, to do it better so that he wants to move from that. Now, whatever point, it's like, like physics, at whatever point my collective pull becomes stronger, I've got a new client. And we all have different things that are, that speak to us. And we're going to look at four of these. We're going to go through them twice. We're going to kind of introduce them. Then we're going to go through just, just briefly and look at kind of how we use these to develop a stronger relationship with God as we try to get closer to him. And so we are going to look <clears throat> At, at four chords of attachment. Four chords of attachment. And we're going to begin here with the one we all probably feel the most. Uh, the, the one that really speaks to us a lot. It does to me. Is the cost of something. This, this, this chord is really strong. We will do crazy things for cost. You will drive ten miles up. Maybe not you Per se, but, but people will drive 10 miles out of their way for gas that is three cents cheaper. Now, they're losing money on the deal if they do the math. But, but cost, it, it's such a big factor in our lives. As soon as we see a cheap item, we bail. And the problem here is that Satan usually wins this area. Because why? Because he offers a cheap product. And uh, Satan also accepts credit. Well, buy it now, pay later. Right? <coughs> Luke chapter 18, verse 21 through 24. He said, I've kept all this from my youth. And Jesus heard this. He said to him, one thing you still lack, sell everything you have, distribute it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. But when he heard these things, he became very sad, for he was extremely rich. And Jesus, seeing that he had become sad, said, How difficult it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And so this is a, a man who literally found discipleship too expensive. But it, it doesn't have to be the literal sense, the literal cost. It is true metaphorically as well. 
Uh, it is often too costly for people to give up the things that they enjoy, the kinds of entertainment that they're involved in. Or maybe it, it, it's different. Uh, maybe Christianity would mean removing myself from circles that don't encourage a, a lifestyle. Or even, even religiously. Uh, I know of churches that, that we've had discussions about things that they believe. But because of groups that they're connected to, if we changed this or did this the way, we would not really be able to maintain this connection. It, 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 it's, a, it's a powerful, it, it's a cost thing, really, when we come down to it. Or Christianity will imply work and, and involvement in this thing. That's very costly to me. It's costly to my schedule. And that is, that's the first area. That's the first chord. As I said, we're going to try to go through these, and, and we can spend a lot of time on any one of these, uh, you know, and, and look really deep. I just kind of want to, want to go through these fast. This, the second one is very similar to it, and that is value. Now, when we talk about value, uh, a lot of times when you talk about value, we're talking about the, the cost-to-quality ratio. Is it a good value? But that involves cost, and so I want to separate uh, this out. From the concept of cost. We'll, we'll combine them back in at the end. But I really want to talk about how we evaluate a, a quality of something. My, my, my mother reminded me, my mother just visited, and she was reminding me of uh, what we got talking about. We lived in Texas when I was a teenager. And, and uh, while there, uh, I had a ferret. For a very short time, he escaped and found the golf course, which was right next to our, our house. Um, but, uh, but I had a ferret. Uh, don't get a ferret. That's just an advice. Uh, you'll never see them. They burrow in your, in your couches and everything else. They'll tear up your furniture, and you see them when they come out to poop in the corner. That's it. Um, that's true. That is, is a true story. Uh, but my, my ferret, Ricky... Uh, He, we had him, I, 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 probably a grand total of about three months. But we moved about a year later. We moved back to New York. And, and at, when we were moving, packing up, we found a closet that apparently Ricky had adopted. And Ricky had hoarded. There was things that, that we had not been able to find for a long time. And, and Ricky had found them. And, and anything shiny was in this, he had like underneath, the, there was like loose carpet, and he had buried all of his little shiny treasures that were things that we were looking for. Some, some were just bottle tops or whatever, but, but there were things, like, wow, that's where that went. You know, silverware is missing, and I was wondering why we only had like three forks, and it's like... <laughs> he evaluated things based on how shiny, you know, we're not really that different. Things look shiny to us, and we think it's... Quality and Satan takes advantage of this. Second Timothy chapter four verse ten says, "Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia." Demas was one that had traveled with Paul and, and had had been highly mentioned by him in a, in a previous scripture. 
But the present world got too shiny. I don't know what it was about the world that, that Demas liked, but, but something, something about it was shiny. And, and he evaluated that it was, it was more important to him than being faithful to Paul. And, and even more importantly, obviously, being faithful to God. And, and again, this can be literal. It can be the shiny, it, it can be the shiny things, but it doesn't have to be. It can be culture, it can be events, it can be activities that we're involved in. It can be interpersonal things, interactions and, and virtual connections of, of the social media stuff or, or however you communicate. It can be even productive. It is... Uh, it seems positive. Work and charities and advocacy, things that we're involved in, those can be shiny and, and can take away from, from developing a relationship. The third one is that security. This is another thing that, that when you, and, and again, think about what, what products you like or what services you like. These things are, are things that you evaluate. These are a part of our, 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 our Identity, our core identities that, that we have. And yours might, you might not care about cost. You might care about value. You might care about a couple of them. Security. There's a reason why banks and companies and advertise how long they've been in business, don't they? Right. I mean, the second that someone goes, my name is Bankman Fried, I've been in business for three weeks. You, you should be going, you know, maybe I don't want to invest all my money with you. <clears throat> Here's cryptocurrency. It's existed for like four years or whatever it is. I, I don't want to put all my eggs in that basket. There's not a lot of security there. Most people are a little nervous about that with good reason. So obviously not everyone in our country places a high priority on security. I want to see your security features. Wow, you let me turn off my, my bank card from my computer? I like that. I lost my wallet again. Good. Turn that off. We're just good until I find it. We want security. James writes, come now, you who say today or tomorrow we'll go into such a town and spend a year there and trade. We'll make a profit. But you don't know what tomorrow will bring. What's your life? You are a mist that appears for a little time and it vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and we will do this or that. And so many people, this is where security is to them. We are susceptible to this temptation. I'm not saying that we should be irresponsible with what we've been given, but... but so often we feel more secure with physical things than with spiritual things. The, the physical promises, because by its tangibility, to be there. Right? I, I, I forget who I was talking to now, uh, but oh, it was, it was my, my brother in law, um, and, and he used to do uh, financial. financial Planning of some sort. Anyway, investing with people. And uh, here's a person that uh, wanted silver. And so they get all this silver, but they had it, it, like what they call it, ETF, which is essentially it's a piece of paper that says you own silver, but you don't. <laughs> like, a lot of people want the tangible stuff. And they'll say, get the tangible stuff because you have it. 
Not that that makes a, a big difference. I bought tangible silver. The worst possible week in the history of mankind that you could buy tangible silver. About a thousand dollars of it that's worth two hundred dollars. <laughs> it's deceiving. Oh, it's tangible. Yes. <laughs> it's tangibly worthless. <laughs> but it is it's a temptation because we can see it. And the fourth one is service. Now I tread carefully here. Because service communicates a lot of different things to people. Service can mean, for example, a sector that is devoted to the comfort of individual. I work in the service industry, right? So if we look at this, a lot of people see the church as a service provider. Right? Don't, don't, a lot of people in the world around us, maybe here, view the church as a service provider. What services do they have? And they look at the amenities of the various church places. They go into, well, this has this, this, and this, and this. Like, it's like when you're, uh, you're buying a product online, and they, you can get this package, this package, and this package. And this one has, like, all X's down here in this one. You can get this. And you're limited to this, this, and this. Right? And then way over here is the platinum package. It's all green checks. Boy, doesn't that make you want to spend that much money on this package. And that's the way people look at church. Well, this one has all these amenities. Look at that. That's wonderful. You want this one. It's a function. So I'm supposed to get a particular feeling from, from this service provider. The comfort, the, the wonderful things that church has to provide. However, <clears throat> it can also mean uh, service a lot of times means access to product maintenance, right? Uh, I want to know what kind of service, if, if, if this goes bad, I want to know that we're going to be able to maintain the thing, that I'm going to have access to people who can help me with this. That's the way I think of service. Customer service. And, and for this, this is really where I want to focus for a second. We'll come back to the other as we wrap around here. But when I, th that's a high priority. For a lot of people, I want to make sure. Oh, it's wonderful what's shiny out of the box. But if I can't have someone that's going to walk me through when it doesn't seem to be functioning right, that, that's, that's a big deal. I want to make sure that there's a, a place with a phone number and uh, you know I can talk to somebody. Customer service. Ephesians chapter 2.18, or actually, let's read the whole section. He says, He came and preached peace to you who were far off. Peace to those who were near. For through Him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and the members of the household of God. It is this concept of the relationship, that there's access, that there is service that is provided Unfortunately, in America, we live by the adage that the customer is always right. That's a foreshadowing of things in this sermon to come. And people 
live by this rule as well. We want God to affirm us and make me feel good. What we want to do is to make stronger ties to God. So we're going to have to correct, first of all, correct some assumptions. Kind of stay where we're at. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 3 and 4, he says, His divine power has granted to us... It's really hard. For, I've memorized this in a different version. It's hard for me to read this. Uh, so anyway, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence. This is another passage which is hard to read because I have sung it. Uh, by which he has granted to us his precious and great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desires. And so the first thing is that God is the service provider, not the church. I want you to understand that. Uh, it's, it's also important for us to remember that we are not providing the service to God. God God does not, we call, oh, the service, the worship service. How many times do you talk about the worship? This is not a worship service. It is worship. It's not a worship service. There's really almost nothing material that I can provide to God that I can think of. I do not provide anything material. And so the only way that this is a worship service is if I'm getting something Oh, by way of entertainment. And we return back to that idea of where the church is a service provider. What are they providing? A worship service. How is the worship today? How is your worship today? Oh, it's great. I feel really great. What? I got a service. I went to church. I went to the service provider and they provided me with a great worship experience. See how much of this is in our language. This idea that, that we are a consumer here. I come in as a consumer and I get stuff that I like because I signed up for the platinum package. (laughs) Well, I also want to talk about the reality of value. He says, whoever would save his life would lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake in the Gospels will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? What can a man give in return for his soul? If I'm going to get close to God, I'm going to have to change some assumptions. And that is the reality of value in that God does win here too. Satan, it is a mirage that God loses this battle. Satan wins in the short term. It, it appears to be of value right up until you have to buy a thing ten times because you're getting the cheap one. Love the dollar store. Love five and below. Don't get technology there. Unless you want to buy it a lot of times. Matthew chapter 13, verse 45 and 46. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value, went and sold all he had and bought it. Why? He gets one thing. He got the one thing, and it was way more valuable than all the other things that he could possibly collect. We we, we went through a sermon and kind of fleshed out this idea, so we're not going to 
go through this in great length. But again, if you buy cheap junk, you will buy a lot. And Satan has a lot of cheap junk. And he says, you just need a little more. Just a little more. Just a this and a that and a this and a that. And you get, keep getting deeper in debt. And God says, why don't you sell all that buy it once? And you win. You win. God really wins quality. And so we, we want to first correct our assumptions. The second thing I want to do is to change some settings. Talk about customer service. There's going to be a surprise to some people. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, which was weak in the flesh, could not do. So by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh so that the righteous requirement of the law could be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. And this is God's way of saying that the customer is always wrong. That's what he said. You come to me because you're wrong. That, that's the service I provide is changing the setting. This is like calling up IT and arguing them about why your computer's not working. They are the professional. The, the, the conversation goes there. Okay, so what we're going to do is we're going to go in. You see this here? Do this. Uh, okay, change this setting. Now reboot it. Did you try turning it off and turning it on? And then people argue with them about what's... I know that's not the problem. Just do it. It's working. What do you know? I, I, I've had this conversation so many times on the phone. Just do it. Okay. <clears throat> what is it doing? It, it's working. Oh, okay. Anything else, sir? No, sir. <laughs> um, we need a reboot. We need to change, set, change settings first, then reboot, right? It's, it doesn't, if you do it the other way, it doesn't work. Change your settings, then reboot. This is, this is the scriptural formula you want to call it a formula. Repent. Then change your mind about some things. Reset the settings. And reboot. He says, repent and be baptized for the remission of your sins. That's what he said. Change it. Turn it off. Turn it on again. And see if it works. God, the life you give me isn't working. Yes, you're using it incorrectly. <clears throat> this is the argument. So we have the argument with God. So much of our society is frustrated with life. I'm tired of this product. We have a lot of people that are tired of the product. I'm tired of life. Yes, you're using it wrong. Change your settings. It will make you closer to God. And thirdly, we need to abandon alternatives. Luke 9, 24 and 25 says, Whoever would save his life will lose it. This, this runs so counter to the way we think. 
But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit himself or to lose his own soul? What makes us secure in the long term does not make sense. And I'm not saying that you can't be involved in other things. But I'm saying this. You need to be risky. Your backup plan is your primary plan. That's counterproductive, but I'm telling you, your backup plan is your primary plan. Because it's what you're going to do when, when what you, you think you're having fun doing doesn't work. It's the one you've spent really the time formulating. What do you want to do? I want to, uh, I want to be a hitchhiker and have fun. I don't know. Okay, then what are you going to do when that doesn't work? Okay, well, then I'm going to be an investment banker. <laughs> I don't know what I mean. That's what your plan is. Some of you probably are skeptical, so let me let me prove it. If you do great research, you'll probably find a few exceptions to this. But I'm telling you, you do not know that many people who die in old age of natural causes, married to their first wife or first husband who have signed a prenuptial agreement. You don't. A prenuptial agreement is a written guarantee of divorce. It's the backup plan. It's your primary plan. All right? Just in case I have an out, the out is the plan. Because it reduces risk. God says, that's what all the, of, of these verses are about when he's telling people, listen, you need to, you need to be my disciple. You, well, we want to do this, we want to do that, we want to do this. Those are the backup plans. It's really hard for you to be my disciple if, if you've got these backup plans. Because those are really your primary plan. I need people who, who I am their primary plan. need people who are willing to accept risk. So as we start the year, really, I want us to see the end of the year. We'll look at the end of the year and accept a risk. Take a risk. I'm being too safe in this area of my relationship with God. And it's holding me back from somewhere, some way that I could be closer. I don't know what that is. It's difficult sometimes. Sometimes it's difficult to identify. Because I, I feel like I feel spiritual. I'm coming to church. I'm involved with activities. I'm doing all these things. But that's, that's my encouragement to, to be a little risky. Uh, to look at the, the things that we have as our values. Not to get rid of them. Cost. 
security and service and all these things, they're a part of who you are. I'm not sure which one is a part of who you are. But to say in this area, my core value needs to, to be placed on Christ. To understand value and, and safety and security and all those things and service. And in some way to, to use that, whatever my core value is, and, and get closer uh, to God that way. There's not a friend like your